Hello and welcome back to the Kino Collective podcast Christmas special episode. Today we are talking about the Muppets Christmas Carol. For some context of the Muppets Christmas Carol, the Muppets are basically a bunch of puppets and this is a Christmas film, not to be confused with the Muppet Christmas movie which was made in 2002. This is the Muppets Christmas Carol made in 1992 and it stars Michael Caine. So, first of all, how how did people react to this? How did they enjoy it? Um, anyone want to start? I don't want to be a downer, but it's just not the way my childhood remembered it as a uh, a great film of m- much depth and um, interest. Um, watching it now a bit older, I realised that I was more more naive when I was younger. Um, why uh, was that? Well, just none of it. I felt like when I watched it when I was younger, none of it went over my head. And now just understanding it all and understanding every line of dialogue, it just has been reduced in my mind to um, something that's very palatable and very easily digested as a viewer, if you understand what I mean. It's wholesome, don't get me wrong. And maybe I have some prejudices. I don't know if this is going to come up, but maybe some of us studied A Christmas Carol um, at GCSE. And it brings me back um, to those dark days of uh, GCSE revision uh, and memorising quotes such as uh, solitary as an oyster. And he was a tight-fisted hand at Grindstone. Yeah, stuff like that. It doesn't really make me squirm in my seat, but at the same time, it kind of makes me squirm in my seat. <laughs> Very interesting. I, I think it takes away an element of the film, doesn't it? Like, it takes After away the, the joy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I studied it as well. And it definitely takes away the the joy of of watching it. Mainly also because it's ridiculous. That too. Um, but what part the fact of it was that... ridiculous? <laughs> what part? What part? Did you... Well, you know the the singing puppets. Maybe that part for me. But surely, <laughs> because it's the Christmas Carol, one of the most boring books ever written. I'm, I'm being honest here. Surely, it gives something towards it. The Muppets being there. All your favourite Muppets like um, Kermit, Miss Piggy, Animal, all those people. It sounds like you're quite a big Muppet fan. Well, I, I, I am. Yeah, no, I can appreciate the Muppets, but they don't have personal appeal to me. I've always found them to be quite sick and twisted kind of um, caricature sort of <laughs> extractions of animals that have become like half humanoid, half... Um, animal i don't i just never found them really that cute kermit maybe is the exception um i don't know maybe that's just because you became really integrated into meme culture and stuff but yeah i don't know some i want to like the muppets but there's something holding me back and i i, I don't want to diss the muppets uh, across the board but i think it's something personal i'd say i massively disagree i think that the film as a whole it's beautiful really and I think one of the things that makes it so great is the performances. Um, Kermit as um, Bob Cratchit, I mean, it's just incredible. And Tiny Tim played by basically a smaller Kermit. I don't know who that is. I, I mean, like, you know, like Michael Caine, I was tearing up. I actually, um, some of us were lucky enough to go and see it in the cinema. And um, it was actually quite embarrassing, you know, I was, I was really crying, but... Um, 
you know, it, I think it's just amazing. I think it's it's such a great Christmas film, and um, we've we've actually got a special guest on today. We've got Grace, the editor. Here. Uh, I was wondering, Grace, <laughs> say hello. Yeah, hi. Um, what did you think about the film? How did you enjoy uh, I think it? it was. I'm going to have to agree with Katie and just say it's absolutely like beautiful cinematic masterpiece. Was there anything that stuck out for you? I think what really stood out for me, I read in an interview that um, most of what Gonzo said is taken directly from the book. And I think that's a really interesting fact about this film because it just completes the parallels between the book and the film. I like the continuation of the themes and how it's almost self-reflexive in a way, the way that Charles Dickens is in the film, which I quite enjoyed having a narrator. That is actually one thing that I'll agree with. I know what you mean, yeah. It was yeah. It was very it was very true to the book, which I liked. Like a lot of the, a lot of the what well, a lot of the characters said was was true to the book, and like it was actual quotes, which I thought was quite good. I think like talking about that kind of real side to it. I I also read an interview, um, which said that um, Miss Piggy is actually a method actor, so she actually basically went and lived in like a model kind of. Tudor kind of village whatever time it's at not Tudor you know uh, Victorian village uh, for a bit and basically um, she's a method actor so she went and lived and worked in the workhouse um, you know and um, apparently actually got her really depressed for a bit because you know she realized how these people lived and I, I think uh, sorry back to the performance again there's another thing that made the performances so strong was it, it felt so real, you know, Miss Piggy really embodied, um, the, you know, I don't know, just that like Victorian woman kind of um, aspect to the film and something that I feel no other Christmas carols kind of do in that, in that way. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought about that, but. Yeah, I, think... I really like how there was kind of like humour injected into it. Um, like, Miss, was this an interview with Miss Piggy? Uh, yeah, this was, this was for, um, uh, what's it called? This was at Comic Con. It was like one of the panels with Miss Piggy. Oh, okay, yeah. Because uh, there was a really funny scene where she's like eating the chestnuts, and it like takes you back to your own family, where it's like, oh, I wasn't eating them. I was just checking on them, trying to like joke around with her children. And it's kind of it draws you into the like how close knit the family is, and how they're portrayed. And Scrooge is affected by this, and is kind of realizing that he doesn't have anyone. I think going back to Michael Caine, you know, he's he's been in really big films. He's been in The Dark Knight. He's been in Cars 2. He's been in all these really big films. And his biggest gap between filmmaking was The Muppets Christmas Carol in 1992 and The Cider House Rules. I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever heard of that. In 1999. And I think maybe the fame got to his head a bit with this film because it was, it was such a big hit, or it must have been, that for seven yeah seven whole years he didn't even make a film afterwards and even when he did make a film they weren't very good um like we've all seen the batman films and they're pretty average at best and you know inception yeah it's just a bit boring um but then there's this muppets christmas carol is this film that sort of centers around him and his character and he's in this place he's the only human character while all these muppets are there maybe it's a sign of what you're saying miss piggy's method acting maybe there's a there's a sign of like he's he's he thinks he's the star just because he's a human but maybe there's this uh divide between people and muppets which which we don't often talk about in in society so does anyone have anything to say about that that was a point that i was actually going to talk about um 
I think it's quite significant the fact that it it's never really pointed out that um, these humans basically live with a load of puppets and that's never addressed um, and throughout you know I love the film I'm not criticizing it in any way this is just a question I had why does nobody you know wince an eye at the fact that there's a load of singing puppets in the street in Victorian London I don't know what you guys took on that but I know that was definitely a, a kind of quite a big question for me. I would be. Wait, are you saying are you saying there weren't Muppets in the street in Victoria, London? No, no, no. Wait, in real Victorian London. Yeah, in like two hundred years ago, were they were they not Muppets? When I thought this was historically it? accurate. Well, you might be right. I don't know. I'm I'm not an expert on history myself. No, I don't think there were. I think it's uh, symbolic of the difference between Scrooge and everyone else because. He seems to be, there's kind of other people, but you know, they don't speak. So it's just kind of Scrooge and then the Muppets. And it's like, he's physically different as well as mentally different. Oh, so it's sort of like a it's symbolism for the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Muppets are sort of lesser than him and he's, he's Scrooge, he's Ebenezer. That's how he perceives himself, yeah. I am just looking up here though. And it does say that apparently in Victorian England, there were, places called Muppet Houses, which is basically where they would keep the Muppets in that time. So I think there would there would have been some kind of like <laughs> Muppet presence in London at that time. And it's it's so bad that they haven't this has never been talked about. Like we never really hear the only symbolism we get is with the Muppets film. And even then the only other Muppets Christmas film, which is called it's a very Muppet Christmas. I wasn't even set in the Victoria era, which means this this sort of thing might still be going on today. And we just don't hear about it. it it's horrible, I think. Does anyone else have anything to say about that? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I do have an opposite theory that... I got this from the film, but it's actually... Um, it's all... Uh, it's all meta, basically. The, the whole time they're filming it, they're trying not to um, reveal to everyone that it's actually... They are filming a film. So you've got Miss Piggy may be like a spectacular method actor, as much as I disagree with her whole personality. She might be fantastic, but at the same time, they're struggling to bring it together under, under constrained budgets, under constrained time, timing and shoots. And they're struggling to, there are moments where they almost slip into revealing that this is, the Muppets are actually playing characters in Victorian England. And that's what that's what I got seeping through was the sheer will and effort that they were trying to keep the show going for the uh, for the kids watching, especially, uh, which which I can applaud without any uh, prejudice myself. Well, you know, building on that point, I'm just reading here that apparently some of the Muppets in the film were real life Muppets from the houses. So it, in many ways, it's, you know, super realistic. Some of the extras the dancers and singers apparently were just taken from the houses, told they'd be paid. And, um, but that's never explored. I don't know why there's no kind of historical drama on, you know, these places. I don't know. Is it a documentary? That's, that's what I was questioning. Oh, really? I just, was it a document? Because if you've got non-actors, right. I wonder how many of those scenes were scripted. When Michael Caine starts dancing, like this with the Muppets. Did they mean for that to happen? I know this is set against a story. 
So they got a rough outline, but you know, when you've got that could have been a spontaneous moment, I think. Yeah, who want to improvise, you know, who've got a reputation for just being, you know, off the cuff of their dialogue. Especially of their method acting as well. Hmm. Just what I really want to know is um, where are the vegetable muppets coming from, and like what happened to them? Does anyone want to expand on that? We don't really see them anymore after this muppet, do we? I think it's cannibalism if it's a muppet vegetable. Because if you're a muppet person, or is it just like us eating vegetables? Well, I feel like at the time it wouldn't have been considered cannibalism, but now looking back, I think like it is. You know, it's. Because times change. That's raw. That is. That's they're not filtering it out for the the weak and feeble of modern twenty first century society. I can I can admire that. I quite like that. How it hasn't been censored. I think it's quite good how we've sort of seen how what this movie actually means. It's sort of it's got a pretty deep meaning between like humans and muppets and how the muppets have sort of been this whole like outcasted and. We're bringing them back into the limelight. But does anyone have any opinions on now? Because the last Muppets film was Muppets Most Wanted 2014, which is the longest time we haven't seen a Muppet film. Is anyone thinking maybe that there's a concern for the Muppets? Maybe Definitely. I mean, Muppets Most Wanted, I haven't seen it, but just from that title alone, I think that means they've been imprisoned or something. You know, they're criminals now. They've been ruined by Hollywood. Have you not seen Muppets Most Wanted? I've seen Muppets Most Wanted. It's about no, but I think it shows how the success has led to their inevitable downfall. Because well, like many celebrities, they're gonna have um, flirtations with um, you know hardcore drug addiction, and I've I think I've read that Kermit the Frog has had his trouble with um, addictive substances, and it, it makes you sad, really, because you know he's he's a great actor who's just succumbed then you know, you hope he doesn't do a um, Keith Ledger, really, um, an overdose. I mean, you, I think he's got Miss Piggy with him to sort of ground him a bit. You know, him and Miss Piggy have been going on since 1979. They've been going out since. So I think, how old is Kermit the Frog? I mean, he's been around a while. I think he's sort of, he must be going out of that phase. Has anyone here seen the new Muppets? The Muppets or the Muppets Most Wanted? Is that nobody? Like a musical? There was one that was a musical, wasn't it? But I don't know if it was that one. I think they're all musicals. I think they've all got a little bit of music in them. Probably. probably. Um, but there's this new Muppet around and he wants to join the Muppets and it it's, uh, encapsulates his life and you know how he joins them and what he does to get them all back together. It's quite inspiring, really. I think it's, a, it's quite a step up from the Muppets Christmas Carol because it brought them back into the limelight a bit. And, you know, maybe if we ever want to talk about any more Muppet films in the future, which I'm sure we definitely will, because it's a quite a touchy subject and we all really enjoy it. I think maybe we could talk about these new Muppet films and the, the era from the old. So I think for, probably from Muppets from Space in 1999, I think that's where the old Muppets ended. And then like Kermit Swampiers started after that. I think maybe we could talk about this divide. Um, if anyone has any opinions on that now, you know, the, the old Muppets versus the new Muppets. Feel free I quite to like know. how, uh, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you, but I like how that it shows there's like multiple different versions of Kermit and how I, us as an audience, we wouldn't realise if he changed, especially because I think this is very relevant in Muppets A Christmas Carol because it's the first Muppets film after the creator of the Muppets died. I've forgotten his name. I think it's Mr. Uh, Muppet. Jim, 
Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets, oh. died, and then his son directed the Muppets of Christmas Carol. So they had to find a new person to voice Kermit. And I guess it shows how the audience doesn't really perceive a change if it's not really like obvious and it's just something subtle, like maybe Kermit's mannerisms. Wait, what do you mean voice Kermit? Surely Kermit just voices himself. I think I think it's the, the presence behind him. I'm not sure if it's the actual the voice. The puppeteer there, but... behind him. I mean, we're all puppets in a, in a sense, aren't we? I often feel like I'm being controlled by an external force. I feel like someone is voicing me quite often um, and making me do things for theatrical purposes that I would rather not do, really, against my own free will. And I think it's a problem we all struggle with. So that's what makes it relatable in many ways, is these people who are ostensibly being controlled by, um, you know, uh, great... You don't know who. Maybe it's Donald Trump. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you never know, it could be anyone. But we talked about Fahrenheit, 11.9 the other week. Maybe it's Donald Trump who's controlling us. We really don't know, but but maybe this film is trying to... Or, I don't know if the Christmas one's the most suitable one, but maybe these films are all trying to tell us that we are controlled by puppets. I'm, and if you I'm think about it... I'm kind of confused, though. Is climate real or not? Because somebody's saying something about a puppeteering and somebody's saying something about, a, like, a voice... And, you know, I don't know what's happening anymore. I think they're just different conspiracy theories because people are starting to question why is Kermit not ageing and why were there two Kermits? Where did this second Kermit come from? In, um, what is it, Muppets Most Wanted? There was a second Kermit. They say this happened with Putin as well, that a clone replaced him. Um, and his term. If you look at pictures of him, you can see he looks very different. I'm of the belief that, you know, his... Um, it's the same you do just you know your appearance changes but some you know some people that really do believe that and it's worrying to think that you know uh, someone that you love so much and look up to could be be gone without you knowing well we're not really looking up to him are we were looking down he's pretty small but i know what you mean are we, are we talking about kermit or putin here i'm a bit lost kermit kermit i mean when he's dancing with michael kane they're the same height. When they're in the house, they're the same height. So we don't know how tall he is, really. But it's sort of like the cinematography. I, I mean, this film has amazing cinematography, especially for a film made in the 90s. Um, and it's just the first time you see Scrooge, or he's towering down on the camera, you're at the side of the Muppets looking up at him. And then when he comes in, you're always looking down on these people. I think there's a certain, taken away from the Muppets, I'm looking at it as, as a filmmaker's perspective. There is lots of like cinematography and a mise en scène in this film, which which really makes you feel as if you are actually there. You're one of the Muppets and you're with Scrooge all the way. You're with whatever the rat's called, Roland Rat. But you, you feel like you're with them as they tell you the story. And it's just, it's very intense. Did anyone else agree with the cinematography and the things very, like um, that? It had a certain uh, feel of it being set in the Netherlands by the fact, you know, the Dutch angles um all the time um and i think the dutch angle is just oh it's so easy to pull off but at the same time if you, you've got to pull it off right um to to really kind of convey the twisted and uh tilted um you know something's off is basically what was being conveyed uh with scrooge yeah i was completely uh, i think that's an effect that was greatly utilized actually not that something's off 
again, sorry, back to the Muppet houses, that could be a, a, like a hidden message because it, it doesn't explicitly explore, obviously Christmas Carol is a classic story, so it's not going to explicitly explore the deeper themes. But I think you're right. The use of Dutch angles reflects that something is off, but it's not kind of, you know, explicitly exposed to us. It kind of leaves to the imagination, what's wrong, you know, like, What's happening here? Mm. I quite like, I think the camera work, the way it's like it's unconfined and it seems very unique in a way. It represents maybe like the different feel of each character because it uses like whip pans, there's zooms, there's like static shots, it's got everything going on. And I guess that could represent like how the whole cast of the Muppets kind of has everything going on. There's like a bit of everything in the film. The life. Yeah. Sort of, there's a bit of everything in the film, there's a bit of everything in the life with these Muppets being like so. Know, how many films do the Muppets have about them? Like 13. And these people are like incredibly famous and incredibly a part of our life. And the fact there's only 13 if that films about them just sort of shows that maybe there needs to be more. Maybe there should be like 10, 20 Muppets films per year. Like we get all these superhero films and all of that. But but do we really see the Muppets represented in the media in that way? I don't know. I just I think it's maybe something to think about, food for four, if you know what I mean. I think there should be more representation of the other characters and not just Kermit in the media, because we see a lot of Kermit, I feel, but not so much the other characters, and I think, I'm not sure why, they're lacking. It could represent, like, the patriarchy and the way that the lead male always gets more representation mm. than the female lead character. Look, I've got this pencil case, this animal, I found this today. Only this was visual. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've just found my animal pencil case, but it's, it's everywhere. The only ones you ever see represented is, is Kermit, and it's just... So maybe we just need more to it, because, yeah, Kermit's special. All he does is moan and not do much. So maybe... Do we, think, maybe we, need... um, do we think that maybe Kermit, in being in such a close relationship with Miss Piggy, uh, and then being, you know, two rising stars, maybe pushed her to the side? To grab the limelight for himself and kept kept her out of his way. I don't know. I, I find it's a um, an intriguing relationship between uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog, especially in this film, since their children only come out as either a pig or a frog, uh, which raises its own questions. Uh, but hey, we're not a science podcast. We're not a biology podcast. Um, it oh, yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Just is it a, their relationship? Where is it going? Is it, are they fully together? Are they? You know, is it a Rachel Ross sort of situation? Will they? Won't they? Um, I think it could be maybe slightly strained and a bit um, challenging for them to stay together because of obviously the interspecies relationship between them. It's probably not going to be widely accepted. I don't think. Like you, you mainly in the film you see like pigs and pigs. You don't see a pig and a frog. Like they seem to be the only interspecies couple in the film and maybe I don't know I, I think that's quite good in terms of a representation standpoint yeah I mean I can only think mm. of um, that the donkey in Shrek and uh, the dragon um, also having such a close relation it's quite rare at least they are in the limelight I think um, as long as we get more interspecies um, stuff going on in, film, in animated like, films I think we need to just say that this is just in animated films I was just sorry, I was just going to make a comment on Miss Piggy and um, Kermit's relationship quickly before we move on. Uh, actually, seeing this in cinema, Chloe, um, I think, pointed out um, there's a point where, towards the end, where um, 
Miss Piggy basically moans when she touches Kermit. And I was wondering what you guys thought of that. I was just about to bring it on to the ending, actually. How, how you thought of the ending, just to like bring it to the end of the podcast. So yeah, how do, how do people think about just that sort of thing? Well, there is that moment. Um, it's not towards the end, is it? Um, I don't know. I think sometimes when you're acting, um, you know, you've got these two people who obviously can't keep their hands off each other. It's quite hard, even when they're acting, to hold back those that desire for each other. Um, and I thought, wow, okay, at least I know it's real. You know, at least I know they're not faking it. But there was a certain moment when they hugged, and Kitty's right, they did groan. Um, but I think that's that's something that we can pick up on. It's not it's not saying that younger audiences, and that's the joy of rewatching this film. Actually, is what I'm starting to realise. Maybe films do get better in the seventh watch, especially with a film like this film. Um, and the ending, it just it, maybe it can bring you joy each time. I think it's, it's I think like- it definitely it definitely shows the that their relationship's real you know it, it's not just for show it's not just for tv you know they are they are real and they are in love they're not they're not doing it just for the clout they are actually are they married it, it's like miss piggy is a method actor and actually i read that before this film miss piggy and kermit you know they're just actors they're acting their relationship but for this film she basically went all out and tiny tim which you see in the film is their real kid um she was <laughs> experimenting with Kermit and um you know just as a way to get to know him can you just clarify what you mean by experimenting please uh they had sex Miss Piggy and Kermit had sex and it was a frog why did it have to be the male counterpart why can they have been the female counterpart I don't really understand like well I mean there's no biology it shows the male biases of the of, of the Muppet universe. There is a I think universe. Yeah. Blue females don't get enough representation. Maybe that's why Miss Piggy was pushed aside. Maybe it wasn't a, a thing that Kermit did. Maybe it was just something that the the, the entire industry did, that she's just yeah, not getting I... the same recognition as, as the male lead, which is a problem being faced by, by humans as well as Muppets. Yeah. What there do you guys think about um, the sexualization of Miss Piggy's character, though? In comparison to Kermit, there's definitely a lot more like revealing costumes. I think that she's put in by the directors. She chose that, to be honest. Um, I read that she she chose to be dressed like that. She works now in basically since her career has kind of taken quite a downfall. She works in um, basically like the red light district of Hollywood. Oh, I've would she that, um, would she not be making adult films since that's kind of closer? Yeah, to yeah. what she's comfortable with. I mean, I, I mean, personally, I'd rather not talk about it because, I don't know, Miss Piggy's, like, kind of a hero of mine, I'd say. And, like, just to see her, like, you know, kind of take such a downturn when she could have been this amazing actress is just quite hard for me to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. It's... Do you know why she chose uh, those costumes? I just said I'd rather not talk about it. So oh. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 fair enough, really. Um. The thing is, we are we do have to talk about films on this podcast, but there is a point you just don't really want to talk about certain aspects of film because it, it hurts, really, especially when you hold aspects of that film so dear. I I do I sometimes maybe I am kept up at night by wondering how pigs and frogs fit together in that way. Um, yeah, it's... I feel the same after watching Shrek. How did the donkey do that? And it goes back to the point, maybe, you know, we're, 
we are all just puppets, I suppose. Um, Muppets. Yeah, Muppets, puppets, whatever you want to call it, really. I, it's the slow yeah. realization that you, I, I think you never inevitably come to. I think you made a, a good point there. I just I like think... to talk about like the commercialization of puppets in kind of uh, like you know the modern world. Um, I went to a Halloween party, obviously not this year, COVID, but last year, and there was a guy dressed as Kermit, and I don't know what I thought of it. To be honest, I looked at him and I thought, "You're basically taking advantage of this amazing actor for your Halloween costume." And I don't know what you guys think of this, but I just thought it, it's wrong to dress like then. Kermit's not a character. Character, you know, he's a real man. He he's an actor, but you know, he's I just think it's wrong the way, you know, like Solomon, you've got a animal pencil case or whatever it is. Do you not think that's wrong? I would never buy into I think, I just think, no, I'll go as a president, but I just think with any film sort of commercialising it is just bad. Like, if any of you have seen Superman, I, I saw someone dressed as Superman last Halloween and I was just like, well, that's, why are you dressing as Superman, man? He's a real person. You can't go around and just mock him like that. It's just, Horrible how people yeah, that's just see awesome. these films and yeah. think, oh, what, what are you, are you say? supposed to dress up as? Like, if you can't dress up as, would you, would you allow it if Kermit, like, if someone dressed up as um, Kermit's character in this film? Or do you think yeah. that's all? Awesome? Well, Pratchett, I mean, you know, he's, I mean, if he was real, then he's dead now. But Kermit's still alive. He can go as himself as Halloween. I don't know why people take advantage of him in that way. But do we and know that Kermit is actually still alive? When was yes, the last time anyone saw alive. him? He's, he's living in Hollywood and he's my favourite actor right now. How can he be your favourite actor if he's not producing a decent body of work anymore? That, that's what I want to know. I mean, I'm sure you can look back to the good old times, but if someone's just not at their best anymore, I think it's, it's time. And... Okay, I'll admit I, Kermit's not even my favourite. Actually, I don't. I don't even like him that much. Um, I think he's actually a bit overrated. Yeah, there. I think. Well, I'm. What you're saying, I would have to agree. What I you're think. saying, Kitty, is that you idolise because you were saying earlier after how he's a uh, now he's he's secluded to drugs and stuff. So, Kitty, what you're saying is you're now idolising like a drug addict, which isn't good. Because... Okay, listen, listen. Everyone goes through bad rough patches in life you know you don't know what's going to come at you um and it's not his fault really he has a drug addiction obviously he wouldn't choose that lifestyle it's hollywood that kind of forced him into that you know that lifestyle really so what are you saying that all drug addicts should die because that's what i'm hearing no that's not what i was saying at all i was just saying that to tell our audience to idolize someone like kermit the frog who you're saying is now in you know rehab before he started it's maybe not the best thing at the moment idolizing Kermit the Frog isn't bad because you know like I said you can look past the drug addiction maybe look at his 19 year career his you know two Oscar nominations I'm sure I'm not sure about that but I'm sure that happened and his I mean his strong relationship with the um the perfect woman Miss Piggy you know and just like a like a, a series of great films um, behind him, I think he's the. I don't know why someone wouldn't idolize him. Has he always been faithful to Miss Piggy, um, Kermit? Because so, I don't know. I feel like I have read stuff, and I, I'm not too sure. 
Um, I heard something about him nice. and um, Animal, actually. Animal? Yeah, yeah the one really? that plays drums. It's called Animal, right? Yeah, there were rumors yeah, yeah, going around that he was bisexual. Doing what? Well, like that he was cheating on Miss Piggy. I don't know how true that is. It's just speculation. With, am- with Animal? Yeah, that is I, quite I, a celebrity scandal, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the bisexuality, but I do have an article by the Evening Standard up right now with the title Kermit the Frog denies that Denise is his new girlfriend after Miss Piggy split. I don't know what to make of I mean, I don't trust tabloids. Very I mean, often. did you hear about, you know, Michael Caine and Kermit? I think there was quite a lot about that. I mean, I, saw, I remember seeing an article. Well, I thought Caine. it was a bromance at first, but the, the, the raw emotion. Well, I think, yeah, Michael Caine and Kermit the Frog definitely had something going on. If you see the film, like, you know, he comes to his house at, like, six o'clock in the morning and gives him like a 2,000 quid turkey and then puts a pay rise on it. It's like, if you, you must love this man to, to go and give him something like that. No person would do that if they didn't love the person. And I just think maybe there is this, this thing with Scrooge, Michael Caine and Kermit, who uh, I think there's this, this close connection, which I think but there's no articles about, but you can just see with the film how they come together. They have some cheeky banter, don't they? Um, ending the scene. Yeah, more than cheeky banter. Yeah, Scrooge is saying, "Oh, I'm, uh, I'm so angry at you. I'm so angry. I'm gonna have to give you a raise." What is he asking? What is he asking him to raise? Do we think? What does a raise mean? What? Well, to be honest, that brings me on to my point. Actually, I was beginning to question whether whether maybe Michael Caine was in fact um, kind of taking advantage of the Muppets because I found an article that I read earlier in the week, actually, before watching the film, uh, which said that Brian Henson met with Michael Caine, Brian Henson being the director of the film, Jim Henson's son, um, to talk about how he might portray Scrooge in the film. And Michael Caine said, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it's an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. So it kind of sounds like he doesn't really take the Muppets seriously, you know, and he... Maybe was just was just taking advantage of them to to better himself in his career and to, to make it um, and, and gain that clout that you'd get from this film. To me, that's denial when he's saying, "I don't want to do anything Muppety." I think you know? he's definitely taking advantage of the Muppets. You can see in one of the like first scenes when Gonzo climbs up the lamppost to his window, and it's like, I don't know. I feel like he's done that before, and it's like, why would he be climbing up to Scrooge's bedroom window? Like. I don't know. It's just something a bit suspicious there, something to think about, really. I wish there was a documentary, um, as with um, Hearts of Darkness, they have that for Apocalypse Now. I'd love to see behind the scenes what they got up to in the trailers, you know, in between takes, because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of shady business going on with this, this, around this film. I wonder, especially Michael Caine, the way he gives his performance sometimes, you wonder if he is... Even his character reflects the idea he might be on psychedelic drugs. That's the way he seems to be playing it, that he's picked the wrong mushrooms on his country walk and he's having a really bad trip. That's part of the implication I would get from it, but that's that's within the story. It's up to him how he wants to play the character. Uh, Do you think I that's th- an interpretation of it, though, how it's not none of the film is real? It's all just Michael Caine's dream of... Mm-hmm him being Scrooge and being surrounded by the Muppets they it wasn't actually played it's all just yeah. in his head as he says oh is it just a bit of digested beef what I'm seeing right now 
I, what did he have with his beef? I wonder. Was it um, some mushrooms on the I'd side? I'd like to hear um, Kitty's opinion on this. Is a uh, Miss Piggy Stan? Well, I was going to say you're basically suggesting that this is in his head and not real. How, how have you not listened to any of the conversation we've just had over the past twenty? No, I, I have. Yeah, we okay, have. Well, it's just I I wonder sometimes about about the Muppets and. Um, I've never met them. Well, I have a friend that ran into Animal in Hollywood when he was over there. So I can prove to you from a secondhand perspective that the Muppets are real. And if you I ever question that, then go watch any Muppets movie and you can see. I'm sorry. I, I really, I, I crossed the line now. I'm sorry. It's all I, right. I don't know. It's all I feel right. like we could take it one step further and it could be a representation of Michael Caine's sexual fantasies of the Muppets no. in Christmas Carol. No, 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 no. We're not going there, guys. Guys, this is a nice podcast about film where we're talking. There's no, not going to be any... We're all friends here. No arguing, okay? Let's not talk about Michael Caine's sexual fantasy. Let's not talk about Michael Caine's well, you guys are worst... Idiots. Okay. Okay. <laughs> With, I think this, this podcast is all about different interpretations, and I think we're all entitled to have different opinions. Okay, so if I, I say, think, I think yours is wrong. I, okay, all right, you can say it's wrong, but you're, immediately you're dismissing my opinion and you're not considering it. I wish for just a second you would consider my opinion, and maybe if you, you suggesting that the everyone's opinion is real. valuable. I yeah, I know it, maybe my opinion might hurt you, but at the same time. It's, it's not an opinion. I mean, it's an opinion. Yeah, it's not a fact. You're the one suggesting. Also, that if you think about fact. it, no, no he's, he's not, not suggesting fact, it's a fact. If you think the Muppets are real, all all the bad stuff in the world have come from the Muppets. How how do you explain that? The Muppets have been around for so long, and if you think about it, they've been around since every bad thing in the world has happened. So maybe if the Muppets were real, it's not a good thing. No. No. But correlation, so, not causation. My grandma's been alive for a long time, but she didn't cause the war. Yeah, yeah but there's only exactly, one of your granddad. The Muppets <laughs> offer support in times of need. I, 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 the Muppets, I don't know. They're so, what, so, what time of need do you need the Muppets in? COVID-19. I saw this in cinemas during COVID-19 and I cried with happiness, and it's probably the first time that's happened in a long time. You shouldn't have been in the cinemas in COVID-19, because you're now causing a risk for people, so actually... I was wearing a mask. You, oh, really? Yes. What is going on? It's hard to argue with a brick wall. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm gonna... I'm gonna Arthur, did you just call me a brick wall? Yes, <laughs> I did. Um, I'm, that's, that's a metaphor, okay? Because, because that is what, this is what this dialogue is like right now. How um, is that sexist? He's suggesting that women shouldn't have rights. <laughs> no, maybe he just thinks brick you're like a are, With that, we wouldn't have society without brick walls. How is that sexist? So, is it a compliment then? Because you just use it in an insult. I'm I'm using it to describe the situation. It's neither here nor there. He's very appreciative of you, Kitty. Brick walls are keeping me alive right now in my house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to break. <laughs> uh, sorry about that argument, guys. Um. Kitty and Arthur got a bit carried away, but uh, Solomon has another point for the group. So the final point is, as a post-psychedelic 90s movie that plays on themes of Muppets and humans, the, the binary opposition between them, how did everyone think about the ending of this film? I thought it was it was very true to the book. Um, 
it was probably how how Charles Dickens would have imagined it if he ever dreamed that the Muppets would in fact recreate his book. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it was it was the kind of the wholesome family happy thing that that you you get at the end of Charles Dickens's book. So I, I thought it was nice, and the musical numbers definitely brought something new to it. It brought something bigger. You know, just give, kind of give you goosebumps. Yeah, I think it's a very typical Christmas film ending. Like everyone's happy. It's Christmas, you know, the usual ending of like it's not open. It's a closed ending. Families around the table. Everyone's happy. Not much else yeah, to say, really. I guess um, Scrooge realised um, through the course of the film that he only needed to change to uh, fix uh, what had been so wrong in his life and that it was merely his own character and his past that influenced his um, downfall into uh, such a kind of miserable old man and that really he needed the Christmas spirit all along, I guess. And Kitty, did you have any last words on the film? I don't want to say anything. Don't want to say anything? Okay. It's convenient now, isn't it? Arthur, calm down. We're all faces. You know I'm so sick of no. you. No, no, I'm no. I'm so sick of you making stupid comments like that. Yeah, I, I bet. I, I really bet because um, they're just, I'm, I'm destroying you. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, you don't realise how important the Muppets are to me. And you're making stupid, irrelevant points. I don't know why. Because you've got a f***ing ego or something on your So thank you for listening to this podcast. And that's actually the last one of the series. Um, I hope everyone, well, we hope everyone enjoyed. And uh, obviously take this episode with a pinch of salt. Because it's our last one and our Christmas one. And come back hopefully after Christmas in the new year and we'll have a brand new state of films to talk about, uh, new guests. Thank you for Grace for coming to this one. And thanks to Chloe, Kitty, Arthur, Louis and James for this season. And we'll hopefully see you next next year for a new state of podcast. Yay!